first TV show was The Other Two for Comedy Central. And we mm-hmm. shot that in 2018. It was like you've never done television before. Right. How is it going to be like working with a bigger crew? Right. And I said, you know, the department heads are the same. You just have more money and you have more resources. So right. I'm still talking to the production designer. I'm still talking to the DP. The actors right. are great actors. So I'm still talking to these people. They just have more people. So right. it doesn't really change my job. It just, I just have more resources like that. That's what money is allowing me. Of course, it's a little more complicated than that. But that's what I said in the interview. And it was still hard. And I didn't get the job. A few weeks later, I think somebody dropped out. And it was a little last minute. And then I that and then I got to fill in. And and I the more happened behind the scenes, I'm sure. But that was the first time and I was like, all right. <laughs> <Can't Yeah. lose> <laughs> Let's shoot with Pete Chapman is a podcast on directing for anybody that's quite simply ever watched anything. Pete converses with a wide range of fellow directors, writers, actors, showrunners, producers, executives, and more on a journey to determine just what makes a good director and why we'll always need stories. The Director is Pete Chapman's digital studio, built on the pillars of craftsmanship that ensure a unique vision. I'm talking about story, innovation, perspective. Learn more about The Director, and better yet, get your official director's chair wear by visiting www.drctr.video. That's drctr.video. All right, people, welcome to episode 19 of Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman. And our special guest today is a new Valia. She is a writer-director. First off, she's a human who likes other humans, and that's what you'll find if you visit her website. Um, But she's also a writer-director and sometimes actor with a very uh, interesting journey from Indiana to Hollywood. Um, So we'll get into her journey uh, getting started in uh, comedy uh, in a a very ironic fashion as far as uh, how she thought she'd get going in the industry. Um, her short film, Lucia Before and After, which won the jury prize for US fiction at Sundance um, and screened at over 30 film festivals around the world. And it's brought her to not only shows like Mixed Dish and Nora from Queens and the First Wives Club, uh, she's also been working on a pilot and doing a great deal of other work. Uh, a new one I met back at NYU while I was working my desk job in the production office. And she's just one of those uh, filmmakers that I kind of always knew would end up in this position. And I was able to kind of keep tabs on her by uh, my producer and editor, Tristan Nash, uh, who was always kind of speaking her praises and collaborating with her as well. So. Here we go, episode 19 of Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman with our guest, director, writer, and human, A New Value. Roll sound. Speed. The interview, take one. I've always pronounced your name Anu, but is that correct? You can say that, you can say Anu, you can say Anu. Whatever mm-hmm. you feel comfortable doing, whatever I, you feel comfortable I only, doing. I will only do how it is supposed to be done. <laughs> yes. 
Because so. there's my, I have a whole thing about, you know, we could go into this, but you can say a new, a new, a new, like a new a car, new. a new. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Perfect. Got it. No, I'm, I'm big on that. Uh, I think, I think you should, uh, I'm a fan of making people go through the effort of doing it the right way. I really, you know, that's a long, I agree with you. And, you know, Hasan Minhaj, Minhaj set, has like mm-hmm. a whole wonderful, um, uh, what is it, piece about this. Mm-hmm. And I, it's like such a longer conversation because I agree with you. But then also there's inflections in different cultures when you say right. people's names and then sometimes when people say it wrong and it doesn't sound right then you're like so it, it's it but I agree with you right empiric I agree with you in my bones and I'm still working that's still a, a work in progress for me but you know <laughs> well, here, well here we are well let's let's welcome a new value to the podcast um, and so I end up doing, uh, I, well, you know, it's been a busy few year. Yes. Um, and, uh, but as of the last couple, uh, episodes, I was going to say, I always do an, an intro, but I found myself getting through the weekend prepping on shows and Monday morning coming and Tristan, our producer and editor being like, did you do an intro? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, uh, no, let me do this little iPhone video real quick. So uh, I will add some intro here in the event that I don't end up doing one for the actual episode. And so um, I don't know when we met year wise, but it's been probably over a decade. Yeah. I was working at NYU. You were yeah. a student at NYU. Um, uh, and you were, gosh, I, I met everyone probably through the production office window yes. where I was yes. signing forms. And uh, <laughs> I've watched through Tristan, uh, our mutual friend. I, I was always aware of what you were doing. Um, Sundance film uh, success and catapulting into TV and I've even followed you on some shows on Mixed Dish Um, and I started hearing about you from the people in the inner workings of ABC which was great it's always really dope to kind of be like ah all right you're getting you're catching on over there Um, so it's a pleasure to talk to you and I, I think it'd just be cool to maybe rap about your specific journey and kind of um, how you've gotten to where you are right now. Um, so that's a that's a bit of an intro. Uh, I'll also say that I've only been away for about five minutes because I overslept. Um, but here we are. So welcome to the pod. I'm so happy to be there. You know, the I, I overslept yesterday for this is this tells you the state of the state of my working journey right now. I was supposed to go to a quarantine workout class and I overslept for that. And I was like, isn't it? Cause like, you know, you learn very early on um, that feeling in your bones if you oversleep for set for our working jobs and it will, and you know, and so when the stakes are so low, it doesn't matter and it feels great. But, right, right, <laughs> but, right. Um, oh, I just I remember you through the work through the window of the production office at NYU when I was a baby student like 19 years old and I looked up to you so much and you were Mm. so encouraging beyond the production office like you were so I know you weren't just like that with me like 
the thing I admire about you the most, if I could introduce you to all of your oh listeners, boy. <laughs> oh boy. is you, as an artist, you make work that speaks to you and you always pull, like throw that ladder down and pull the next generation up. And I feel like and that speaks to the reason you're doing this podcast. Like you could just you know, you're amazing. And the work you've been doing as a director is amazing. And I know in your TV work, in your own film work, and it's hard to spend time to bring the next group mm -hmm. up, but it's so important, right? And I take, I'm inspired by you in that way because that's equally as important as our own um, work, artistic ambitions, because, you know, we're building a community. And so I really look up to you and I hope people watching this no because you really do a lot i mean i'm so lazy and so it's like nice to <laughs> nah, well, look, see I, you doing I appreciate that, that and, I, and so sincerely and I, and I think it's like the one thing i always felt that was a missing link at film school yeah. was this kind of like you know a little bit of a dosage of reality of like what it's going to be like when you get out of the ninth floor of 721 Broadway, you know? And also like, there's a really different kind of unique challenge for someone that looks like you, someone that looks like me, you know, it's not just about, Oh, cool film. That's great. Here are the keys to Hollywood, you mm -hmm. know, and and you know, I guess we'll kind of even get to that when we talk oh, yeah. about your your <laughs> short film. But um, you know, let's let's dive in. So I know yeah. we're we're zooming from. Uh, I'm in LA. You're in Indiana. I'm in Indiana. And, um, tell me about that. Is that where you grew up? Is that yeah. like yeah yeah? And so I come here. I was coming here a little bit more often a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm working on a film that hopefully we were supposed to film at the end of this year. And now I think we'll film next year. And, but I'm now I'm just here being with fam family, but I grew up here. I've lived in Northwest Indiana since I was like for till I was 18 and then went to NYU and met you. And, okay. um, I, it's been such an, you you know, I think something, especially, I feel like there's a tie with all artists where they always go back to their roots and whatever, there's always questions around your roots, right? Like always mm -hmm. questions about where you came from because that is all you know and that is all you, you've kind of built the story of yourself based on what you've seen, what you know. And so I, so I, my family's from India. I grew up in Indiana and I have so many questions not even directly related to me, but my entire worldview for 18 years was shaped in this area. And so um, every time I come back here, which is maybe like twice to four times a year, um, it's, I always see it with new eyes because I also mm. go somewhere else and come back and, and it's been, it's very interesting. It's a continual journey. But, um, you know, to speak to just nobody knows who I am. So to introduce myself, I guess, like I, I consider myself a filmmaker and an artist. And in the past couple of years, I've been working in TV, which has been an incredible job, an incredible education, an incredible uh, way to hone your craft. And I really enjoyed it. But to what you were saying, like that doesn't happen. It's 
hard for people that look like us. And, um, and it's, the strength of your work is incredible, but you need a community, right? Like you need right. other people to vouch for you and push for you and, and put that, throw that ladder down. And that's definitely happened to me. And, um, and there's, I'm not saying I can't be prescriptive because I don't, everybody's journeys. That's the other thing, right? Like at NYU, right. they bring all these speakers to come in and everyone was like, cause it's like, what's the ticket? What's the secret? And it's like, everyone's story was so specific to them. Like, mm -hmm. like it was always like an older white man who I would like be like in awe of who, you know, but <laughs> you know, and they would be like, well, I stuck on to the Paramount lot. And then I got, and I was like, okay, well, that's not going to happen right. to me. So, <laughs> right, right, right. so how am I, you know, and, and in my journey is very specific and your journey is very specific. But I think that like the one thing I do know is that it's luck, it's privilege in terms of who, who brought me up. But mm -hmm. the more we can build that community and do it for others, I think we can grow the group of artists who are working and making a living, making their art, which is important too. It it's there's right. true diversity. Like there's it's truly a many many different people who have so many different backgrounds and. Um, God, that made no. For a director, I'm really working on being more concise. No, but look, well, this, you know, I, that is not a requirement of this podcast. This is free flowing. I, what that makes me want to ask you is, yeah. what is it, or what was it rather, in Indiana and about your life that made you say, "Huh, camera," right? Because mm -hmm. you know, if you're from Indiana, you're you're supposed to play basketball or something. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to play basketball. <laughs> Definitely tried to do that. And, um, wasn't very good at it, but it's a really my, so both my parents are from India and my dad who is in the sciences, but is like an, and is an artist at heart and a poet at heart. And now has since retired from science and taken up poetry. But when we were kids, cool. um, we watched movies. I mean, I think this is a story a lot of people have, but we watched movies all the time. And when my dad came here in the 60s, um, he was like, he basically saw everything. Like the, this college he went to, he had no money. And so, cause he was here on um, a scholarship and, and couldn't work. And so he would just see every movie the school offered for free. And it was right. like international films. And it's so funny. I feel like he saw more movies at his like science school than I saw <laughs> at film school. He would see like a new movie every day and, and it was all international films. And so that's all the movies he, when I was growing up, the movies that came out between like the early 60s and the 80s from all around the world were like the movies that he would show us wow. and so and without any sort of because he wasn't trying to get anything from it he was just showing us movies that touched him when he was in his early 30s and he was like you children at 10 maybe you'll you'll connect to seventh seal in the same way i connected to seventh seal because <laughs> yeah. everybody because because bergman bergman's really for the kids <laughs> exactly exactly but he wasn't approaching it like you need to know this to study it he just said this is a film about life and death and you should watch it and i right. would watch it being like i didn't there was just no I really grew up with the, the thought that there was no difference between 
an art film and a mm. commercial film. It was just art is cinema and art can touch you and art can touch different. It can cross country boundaries. And, you know, because we would watch Indian films. We would watch uh, like European films. We'd watch like um, uh, films from like China and Japan. And and it, there was just no... Um, he might, it was just like my dad was like, here's a movie, you should watch it. Right. We would like it. And and mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time being like confused by film. <laughs> I thought that right. was like a natural space to be is like the plot isn't really important. <laughs> but isn't that, isn't that like the, I find that that's the new, that's where we're landing now, right? Because I think the thing that this industry was kind of built on, it was, it was much more a product than and exploration. And so with the ad with the rise of like streaming and and just more platforms, you know, basic cable having more narrative content, it seems like TV is the new novel. No one mm. reads anymore. And with everybody everything in such an episodic kind of um kind of capsule, it's like, well, now if we're going to do more things, we can't just be on the surface with 50 times more content, you actually have to get more specific and get more internal and follow the lives of people who before were just overlooked. And yes. having some kind of basis in, and these distinctions are kind of, they are what they are, but they're kind of nebulous at the same time. It's like, typically it's more character driven if it's more yeah. of an independent uh, film. Well, now that's, that's the like superpower. Can you deal with character? And then anchor that character in something that's a little bit uh, more genre and find a happy marriage to make it be soapy yet smart yet, mm -hmm. you know, with the skill of an auteur. Like it's this mm -hmm. weird place where I feel like the things that we learned in film school and particularly if you had a, if you had a, a particular kind of taste in content, it's like now there's a really open area for that type of director i that that's beautifully said and i think what's so nice about all these new the playing fields is a little bit more open and more people of different backgrounds and ideally for me like people of different backgrounds can tell their story and other stories and all sort and not be pigeonholed to just like tell me your story and then let's get rid of you and now you know just <laughs> like you can be like you're being seen as like great very popular examples a show like atlanta is like a piece mm -hmm. of art you know and that's right. i may destroy you it was a piece of art because and i think a thing that those two shows have in common i'm sure that there's a lot of eps and a lot of people but i feel like some people got out of the creator's way right like right. they got out of their way flea bag like they get out of their way and you let these artists go off and make things you know right. and and that's <clears throat> that's the goal, I think, for all of us, right? It's just right. like, get out of my way. <laughs> I want less people giving me notes, <laughs> which is the goal. It's not always, you know, but, but like, there was something I was going with, like, oh, I really believe in the power of, of <clears throat> movies and TV as empathy mm. machines. And, mm -hmm. you know, you watch an incredible piece of work, whatever that is to you, like whatever thing you've last seen that just got you. 
And it's because you are like in that person's life and there's no right. other greater escape. But like, isn't that the, I've never felt that besides when I'm watching like my favorite piece of right. cinema or television show or, you know, yeah, it's that's like addictive. A, I have this thing. Um, I've been writing this book and one of the, in the early chapters, like I talk about how I, I used to have a love of like music. Well, I always, I still do, but like, I was, I was like, do I want to, do I want to, rap or do I want to be a director and my <laughs> my reasoning and I guess now I could do both right although I'm too old but um my reasoning was that well all the music the music kind of becomes synonymous with moments right mm -hmm. but like and and feelings right but like the best film can change your perspective and not that it's impossible for a song to do that because it has been done. But for the most part, like I'd rather have, I'd rather toil in the playground of trying to uh, make people see a new way of, of perspective uh, about folks that they don't necessarily come into contact with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love so, that. So what was it? Uh, did you make any films back in Indiana? Like, how did you get into NYU? Um, did you just say, I've watched every movie and I <laughs> trust me, I'm good? Or did you have There's, a portfolio? There is so, so many, so many, so many things I haven't seen. I get very stressed with how many movies I haven't seen. But um, <clears throat> no, so I was taking photos a lot. Not like I was taking photos um, they probably were very bad and I was shooting movies on like VHS cameras and they were also bad. Like I was so frustrated that my craft wasn't as good as I wanted mm. it to be as a kid. And, um, I was doing plays. I was like directing plays in middle school. But then when I was 15, um, I think before I was 15, I wanted to be an actor very badly. And and my mom said I couldn't be an actor, which is a whole thing we'll unpack at some point. <laughs> and, and and then I got to go to like um, um, my dad. I really wanted to go to New York Film Academy. They had like a one week <laughs> summer program right. and and I couldn't believe it. You could go to Los Angeles and you could for, for New York Film Academy. <laughs> for New York Film Academy, you could go to Los Angeles and you could you could shoot on 16 millimeter film. Mm -hmm. And I was like that I can't and I and thank God my dad was so like what a privilege. My dad paid for it and I went for a week. And I was like, this is it. Like the feeling You're that, right. remember that, like that feeling, I'm so curious what that was for you. And, and maybe you've said it on another podcast, but I am curious what, but that was like, there's no going back, you know, right. like right. that. And then I think I chased that. And I feel like I, there've been only a couple times <clears throat> I've enjoyed doing this so much. Hmm. Maybe I just haven't checked in with myself, but there've been a couple times where you're just on set and I was like, this is the happiest. Like, I will chase this feeling forever again. Like, what an addictive thing. Like, I will chase this forever because this makes me so happy. I feel so present. Um, right. do, what was that moment for you? Yeah, that's, um, it, was, it, was, it was a similar thing. It was just probably earlier um, because I've mentioned how my high school had a Super 8 millimeter film program. 
Um, and I, I, I always then say it wasn't a program. It was a class. But, it um, was <laughs> you know, but they, it was their program. And yeah, we just like we had these um, cartridges of Super 8 that you jammed into the back of the camera. We had uh, we had a lab. So we would develop the black and white with the help of Mr. Chase. If we shot color, we would have to mail that to the one lab that they had a relationship with in Texas. Um, and so, um, yeah, I just, uh, I just remembered kind of making decisions on how to shoot things. And then him saying like, that was a really good, like, uh, solution to what you were trying to shoot. Like the, and specifically, um, it was this one thing I had, like, someone coming down from a train platform in the town I grew up and then down and then the next scene, they're like on the street walking to a car and I had them walk off the camera from the train platform. And then on the street level, I went from the, um, you know, Bell Atlantic phone logo and tilted down as she walked up. And he was like, that was a really smart. And I was like, I don't know why I did that. Like, it just felt like that's what you like, when am I going to show her touch the door handle, walk down 24 stairs, uh, go through the next door? You know what I mean? But even that, like the idea of transitions and the idea of like, mm-hmm. okay, now I'm going to show you new information and tilt down and show our mm-hmm. protagonist. Come, like, it really, these are, <clears throat> it's wild that you think of that so early. You know what I mean? Like, that is a mm-hmm. wild thing because I know I wasn't doing that when I was 15. Yeah. Like, <laughs> But that's, isn't, wow. It's like, it really, like, having somebody support you like that is, is like, is incredible. And you know, the funny thing, I've never actually thought about, I've never made the connection, but in TV directing, the transition is like the one thing that you can almost do without anyone noticing what what you're doing. It's all I got, right? Like, you know. The transition's what you have. (laughs) <laughs> got all the dialogue, did all this, and then like for like I just uh, I just uh, wrapped two episodes of Mythic Quest, um, which is a show yes, that I love. Yes, yes, yes. And I got my first cut, and and the show is so like keyed in that they know what they want, know what they need. Um, but they were just like Mike, my, my editor, my notes on the editor's cut were like, well, 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 well uh, I did this one thing. I did yeah. this one thing. <laughs> I did this one thing. And, you know, uh, it was like this cool, like tilt down from actually again, a tilt, tilt down from the palm trees, like to landing in yeah, front of a mic in the foreground, um, because it's like a character is going to give a big speech. And then a rack focus to the start of the scene, like 50 feet away, and then picking them up in coverage. You know, oh, yes. We're keeping that trailer. We're not just going to go straight into coverage. What are you talking about? We got to set the stage. Oh, but my. And did it make, we'll did it make the final? We'll see. Because okay. this You're is just season like, two. Yeah. They'll keep it. It sounds like, it sounds like they'll keep it because it's like, what, an extra couple seconds? But it really feels like you you added some something a real perspective right right I, yeah I and some scope faith. hopefully but yes that that's the that's the that's the defense we're always playing so so you go from indiana to new york film academy yes. in la which I, <laughs> I remember seeing that one of my first trips out here i was like that's a little bit of an oxymoron and then uh 
you went to NYU. And so what was like, it sounds like you were chasing that feeling of that New York Film Academy camera. Like, what were you, what were you chasing? What was your target when you got to NYU? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, again, like also what a privilege, what a privilege to know what you want to do and then be able to go after it, to be able to mm -hmm. go forward and, and chase that. Like those two things alone are like, I feel very lucky to be able, because I knew, I was like, I'm going to be a director. Mm -hmm. um, like, the, you know, there's like, there's like three Indian ladies who are doing it and I'll be one of them. I'll be like the fourth. <laughs> and now there's there more, go. which is very exciting. <laughs> but like Mir and I are doing it. And so, you know, all can do it too. And and isn't that something like the power of having just one, having people mm -hmm. who look like you ahead of you makes, I think that's partly why I didn't want to, it wasn't that hard to convince me not to be an actor. Cause at the time I was like, I want to be like, Juliet and Romeo and Juliet, but right. that's not going to be the thing I'm going to do. Like, that's not what Indians are. And we're doctors on screen and, and, mm. and, or like cab drivers or deli owners. And that's not that that's not true. But like, I just was like, Oh, okay. I'll never see myself. So, which now what I'm so excited is, is like younger people for many different races and ethnicities are seeing themselves and can actually imagine, like it really is hard to imagine yourself as something if you haven't seen it before. If you can't see so, it, right, right. 100%. And I was like, well, Mira Nair and Deepa Mehta and Grinda Chadha are the three I knew at the time. I'm sure there were more and it's a disservice not to know their names, but they, those are the three I knew. And I was like, <laughs> I'll be like them and would read like every interview that they ever gave. Um, and so... Okay, so at NYU, I was like, I'm going to make art films, not because I thought that was like the pretentious thing to do, but I just was like, I really want it to be art. Like, I don't want to have to worry about plot. I don't want to have to worry about making money. I just want to make my art. I unfortunately, as you know, chose the most expensive um, <laughs> art form. <laughs> didn't think about that. I didn't think about that when I was in school. And I think the nice thing about NYU is, and I'm curious if you felt this way, I feel like they really do encourage you to be an artist in undergrad, at least. Like, mm -hmm. they, better for worse. <laughs> Maybe give you not all the skills you need to be a working artist, but I, I really was like, I'm just gonna do it. And then when I graduated, it was a lot harder. I think I, mm. I like, I'm sure I had a movie I'd written I wanted to make and just, and also I was like, but I'm not going to make it for like $20,000 and do a mumblecore movie because visuals are so important to me and, you know, limited coverage and taking your time on set was just quite important to me. And like, you know, maybe we'll require a few more days than normal because I, we've scouted the perfect locations and we've got to, right. you know, it's, it's just, I wasn't, I wasn't writing films that took place in like one house mm. to maybe my detriment, but that just like, I was, I, I didn't have a story there. So I couldn't get my films made, but then you got it. Girls got to work. <laughs> so, I, so I had various like assistant jobs and, I was like, at some point in school, I was Brett Ratner's little brother's tutor. No, babysitter. But he had a nanny and he had a tutor. So I just hung out with him. 
Right, right, right. <laughs> I was a very sweet kid. But so but anyway, so then I um it's like it but yeah, it's that was it. Like that was like a fun, weird job. Anyway, so so I started my first like production job, which was I don't know if you'd even call it that was working at College Humor because mm. in New York, it was like easier to get like web jobs because I didn't know how to get into like television or films. It felt like a really closed circle yeah. that I didn't know it how was. to crack. And it right? is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, there's more things shooting in New York, but I also feel like you have to, like, someone has to know who you are. Like I just had no idea. I didn't know how to become a PA on a, right. on like a movie. I right. would hear like Spider-Man shooting or something. And I was like, how do you get you just there? Know, you just know how to be told not to cross the street when, when you yes. walk up on that production. But how do you get yes. that job? How do you make friends with a PA and get, I just had no clue. And friends of mine were, and I was like, how did you get it? And they were like, well, I knew someone. I was like, damn, I don't, okay. But the people I did know were making web series and college Copy humor at the that. time was in like 2010, 2011. They were working with a lot of UCB people. I had a friend at NYU who, again, it's like, what a privilege to go to a school that then like those kids go out and can get you a job. And so my friend Sam, he was a coordinator there. I think he started as a PA. And as the coordinator, he was like in charge of hiring new PAs. And then Got I it. became a PA on college humor jobs. I stayed there for a couple of years and then became like a like a coordinator and a, then a producer. And then I like was an actor for them. Hmm. And I think they needed like a brown person. <laughs> so, got to be in front on camera. And so... Um, but through that, I started working with comedians, which was not something I really had like prioritized or thought about. And like, what a boon to work with improvisers who are right. like such present actors, you know, right. and like getting to work with improvisers too on my own experimental short films. I'd be like, well, you know, I know you guys do comedy. Do you want to do like drama for a second? And, you know, I get to ha have some comedians in my own shorts. So I was sort of at the time, like you're juggling a million things all the time. Now I'm pretty lazy, but I used to be a lot more <laughs> like I was producing stuff for College Humor and making my shorts with their equipment. You know, the classic, like you see a right, camera, right. we have some lights. Well, that was when, when I when I met you, that was one of the boons of, of the desk job. You know, I could take out equipment until uh, one particular person fucked that up. Um, Are you serious? Because they took a yeah oh yeah they, someone took a, a shot a project at the beach and got sand all in the camera package, um, and I don't remember what camera it was, but it was it was uh, a it was an expensive camera, and uh, after that they were like, uh, no more of that. Um, that's the whole point of working in the production the, office. That was the point, <laughs> um, but also the relationships, much like what you were developing yeah. there at, at College Humor. So. That's really cool because also there's like a there's this thing about comedians, which is they're probably more in tune. And this is going to be a blanket statement, uh, but let's just say the best comedians, yes, you know, are are in are more in tune with their emotions and in being analytical about what they see than most people. So to turn the knob toward drama is actually a it's it's actually it's already on they just have the volume down on it you know what i mean yes. they just chose to like go at the topic through a comedic lens 
and understand fully how to, you know, it's like, what is it like, they say like passion is like love and anger or something like that. And it's a similar type of thing where the comedy is really just a delivery system for like fucked up pain, (laughs) you know? And like, well, what you said about being so attuned, I think that's quite true. And also again, right. Like this is a blanket statement, right. But like there is, you know, I'm not a comedian, but I think like somebody who understands there's like that the tragedy comedy. Like you can't mm-hmm. really be funny unless you understand things that are like deeply sad and tragic and ironic because you can make that funny. So you kind of understand tone. You can be really good at understanding tone. I think not that you can't right. be if you're a dramatic actor because dramatic actors 100% can. But that is like such a tool, and it's something that I think if I hadn't worked at College Humor and gotten into this comedy track, which is now as a TV director, that's what I do our half hour comedies and right. it really like it was such a gift to get to work and at the time I think I was just like get me to my like experimental film that's all I, like I felt so misunderstood when I was at mm. college humor like and everybody would know that like if you talk to anybody there I was an artist and I <laughs> was trying to get my short films made and this is just right. a pit stop on the way to my art and right. it was such a gift instead it was like I'm so grateful for that time even right. though they never let me direct but well, I don't mind I don't mind saying that on the record <laughs> look at look at them now look at them now so how what was what did you go to next after college humor um because I know we're, we're kind of barreling toward um your short film but like what 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 were there any other significant steps before you made your short film well basically yeah well basically what happened was I was trying to I was writing a movie that nobody wanted to make I'm still making writing a movie that no one wants to make but the but they um I left college humor and then I kept where I bipped and bopped around different websites like different comedic websites producing and directing sketches I started to direct more I basically was like okay I want to be directing now like I want people mm-hmm. to think of me as a director I want to direct it that's and so for a while I was producing for money and just directing mm-hmm. friends stuff for free. Cause I was just like, I need more stuff that people, but I, at the same time, I was producing sketches for free, but at the same right. time I was trying to make my own short films and I made a couple shorts that didn't get that to that many festivals, but I was proud of. Um, and then funny enough, I was in Nicaragua with Aya Cash <laughs> So Aya was in this, our friend Paul Briganti, who's a wonderful, wonderful director and dear friend and is a director at SNL now. He was making a movie uh, called Village People, which maybe now I think it's, re- now it's called Big Brother Volcano. But he was making this movie in Nicaragua and Aya is one of the stars. And and Paul, I was like, Paul, I want to be, like, can I be in this movie? Like, I want to play this. I just want to be, and I didn't have a job at the time. I like... I really, it was like, I had no prospects. Like it was a month. I was very depressed. And he was like, well, okay, you want to come to Nicaragua for a month? And, and what, what year was this? This was 20, February, 2016, I okay. think. It was only a few years ago. So yeah. I think it was the early 2016, I think. And so 
I was really kind of hitting a dead end. Like I was just kind of like, I want to make another short. I wanted to make my movie, but nobody was funding it. And I was like, well, maybe I'll make a short. I don't know. And so then when I was in Nicaragua acting in this film for Paul and was like also PA, but it's a terrible PA because I didn't speak <laughs> good enough Spanish to actually be of help, like as right. like <laughs> there. So I spent a lot of time just kind of waiting around and I wrote Lucia before and after uh, which is a short film that follows a woman who is traveling 300 miles to to get an abortion. And she finds out when she gets there that she has to wait 24 hours because there's a 24-hour consent period before mm. you can go back and actually get the procedure done. And she didn't know that, so she spends a day just kind of wandering around. Right. And, um, and the that, I thought that that was actually part of a film I was writing at the time, which I'm not working on anymore, but I thought the vehicle, cause I'm a big, big proponent of the story you tell should match the medium it's in. Like right. you shouldn't try to write a feature and make it a short film. We learned that in school, right? Because who wants to watch that? But I right. thought that like, Oh, the journey of somebody going on like, like an anti road trip, essentially yeah. of like one day is like, is a short story. It doesn't need to be longer than that. Right. And I made that sh so I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to make this short. And um, I made that short in the summer of 2016. Okay. I think. Because I remember finding out it got into Sundance right after Trump got elected. So that's like oh, how boy. my, that's the time. I just remember like, and I remember, that's like, so it, I think it all was 2016. And you were then, using, you were using your, your personal applause to wipe away tears in between. <laughs> I remember because I couldn't believe like Trump while elected. It was like the deepest, darkest right. time. And then personally, I this film got an ascendance. I was about it was just like such an interesting confu thing about like, why do we make our art? Is it for right. others? Is it for us? It's a, a question I think we are always thinking about. So anyway, then it went went to Sundance. And funny enough, which is such a wild. So there are three judges. Um one of the judges at Sundance was Patton Oswalt, who mm. is a com comedian and right. a comedy director. I did not know he is a film nerd. And I remember seeing him, like, watching the movies, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, my movie's not funny. Like, it's probably not going to. And it and it won the uh, jury prize for U.S. For, narrative for US, shorts. U.S. fiction. Yes. And it's so funny because I couldn't. It was, like, so. I was so surprised and I was like, that's, I was very surprised. But then cut to February of this year, I was directing AP Bio, which he is on. Hmm. And I just wow. couldn't believe that I, and I told him, I was like, you probably don't remember, but because of you, you and the other judges, like you guys really changed the trajectory of my, of my life. And I'm so grateful I get to now work with you. Right. And, and he was very sweet about it. And he, he said he remembered, but who knows, but he was yeah. so sweet and so like, um, I, but again, that's, people that, pulling that's up. the that's the journey. Like, I mean, I, it's funny because I have to remember, like, not necessarily everybody listens to every episode of the show because I feel like there's some people would be like, oh, "Here come that story again," you know. Uh, but, no, um, I agree. Yes, yes, yes. Some people but, are slamming these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, it's it's not it's it's not the same kind of like someone reaching back. Um, 
Well, I mean, it, the, the meeting happened at a different point in life, but like right now I'm, I'm prepping All Rise and the star number one of that show was in the short that I made around the same time you made your short. Simone was in, in my short Black Card, you know, and wow. it is not, um, it does not miss me that I'm sure that her vouching for me and saying you should, you know, meet this guy was helpful. Um, and obviously I had to do my work in the interim and, and you had to do yours. Right. But like, that's just the community of, of, of people that kind of propel the journey forward is one that you could never predict. You're so that, oof, that is a really beautiful, I love that. And also how wonderful is it? Because now the job you're doing at All Rise feels all that much more like a family. Like mm -hmm. it's not like. I'm sure you talk to. Oh, young this show people. is crazy. Oh, sorry. Go I ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. Go I do. I do want to. All I was going to say is like, when you do, I think when you're younger, and maybe even when you're older, you are just so focused on how do I get there and what does right. that mean. But right. the the reward for work is more work, right? The reward for doing a good job on one show is getting hopefully a job on another show, and then that's more work. Like it's right. not like you know. But so so how delicious and wonderful to be on All Rise and to feel like a closeness, you know. And right. you're not you're not just like oh I don't know anybody, you know. It's, it makes the right. job better. But wait, what's this like? Like to, what's it like? Well, I mean, it's it's super dope, right? Because like if I go through, I look at the at the cast list and I'm like, okay, so there's the number one, Simone, um, Wilson Bethel, who plays the uh, DDA, Mark Callen, uh, one of the other leads. I had, he was in one scene, but in this digital series, I did American Coco back in 2016, oh he was in that. Um, uh, Ryan Michelle Bethay, um, yes. who I know for, uh, yeah, yeah, and you know her from First I Wives Club. I love her. Oh. She's in it, Love and her. I've known her since NYU. Um, oh my God. Simone's husband in the show, uh, Todd Williams, was in a short I did after my NYU short, um, before my feature, just to kind of keep making things. And it's like, you just look back, it's like, man, I know. So if I, if I start from him and include, I mean, I'm, these are people I, I know going back into like 1999. You yeah, these I mean? are like real people, yeah. like real close. Like we, yeah, like there's time we've simmered. Right, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, and it's it's just a it's a it's a beautiful journey. So if that if for anybody listening, that is something to be like, uh, be rest assured, right? Like you can't win yeah. the race without actually running it. So you have to just put one foot after the other, and and you know. Some, your, your kidney's gonna hurt for a couple miles, but you keep going, and then you, then it's gonna be your knee. But like some at some point, you know, you you get closer to the finish line. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's also like you need to find the joy in each job and each thing because if you're always looking for what's the next, what's the next, right? That's a great motivator. But you have to like enjoy the job you're on right now or the short you're making right now or, you know, right. otherwise you're going to run out of steam. And people can tell, right? Yeah. Like people can tell when you're somewhere you're not excited to be, that you don't want to be, that you're phoning it in. And, you know, to this same conversation, there are jobs that I got where people recommended me that I never knew were looking specifically. Wow. But I know that everyone's always paying attention. 
And so, you know, one, one, one like snide remark could be said in the company. Like here's another example, right? Like, um, and this was one where I was like, oh shit, like I, I, I need to do better homework uh, of my call sheets in all honesty, mm. right? Because um, I was watching, we were watching the Emmys last year, you know, and uh, I think I mentioned this when I talked to Rob McElhenney and I'm like, man, this guy who won for Chernobyl looks really familiar. And so I looked him up. <laughs> and yeah. I looked him up and he was, uh, Craig Mazin plays a character Lou in Mythic Quest. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I, I directed this guy for like yes. half a day and I had no idea that that's who it was. And, and I love the Script Notes podcast. Like, that's my shit. I listen to that every week. I gotta listen to that more. Um, yes, yes. It's really good. And so, but like, you know, just imagine you were the type of person to, not only not know, but also like be an asshole, Ugh. like or or say something like crazy because you're like, oh well, uh, those people are out of ears ears range, but like you know, this person can overhear me saying X Y Z, and they're like, uh, hey, that guy you got over there, you know, you just have oh, to yes, you have yes. to be on, you have to just be a person, as I always say, yes. Hi, I'm Ramla Mohammed, co-executive producer on Little Fires Everywhere, and you're listening to Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman. How to Succeed as a Creative Professional is Pete Chapman's upcoming book about his journey as a director. What started in 1993 has been a marathon full of persistence and creative pivots, transitioning from indie filmmaker to teaching at NYU's acclaimed film school to running a production company, to directing television and commercials, and ultimately eyeing a return to the feature films that gave him his start. A mixture of how-to, self-help, and inspiration, this book will be for any person eyeing a successful career in a creative art. How to Succeed as a Creative Professional is coming soon. So how, how quickly did the, you know, Lucia before and after, uh, that was, what, 2016? 17, 17 Sundance, right? And so how, um, what was the transition like into television? So to be, and that, like, this story I'm about to tell you is that everyone, every up-and-coming filmmaker, every filmmaker who wants to make a living doing this or just get their things made, really, I I recommend listening to a lot of different people's stories because mm. it's so specific, right? But it's all a marathon in terms right. of like you kind of collect people and experiences as you go. And hopefully you're not thinking of it like that. Hopefully you're just kind of living your life and being a good person. But, but yeah, when the short one Sundance, I was excited because I was like, I can get my movie made. I have this movie, We Strangers, that I'm still trying to make that right. again, hopefully we will film. But I was just like now I can get my film made. Like I wasn't thinking about TV, but it didn't, was not like that. Like it, I thought my life was going to change in just that. The only thing I wanted to happen was hopefully going to happen. And that didn't happen. Like I did get an agent, but, um, cause I had a manager. Did they already. immediately reach out once you, uh, once you won? It was like, who was this on my voicemail or, you know, what was it that process? Was, so I had a manager before and the reason I, my managers who are wonderful, who I'm still with and are so good, I met them 
through Sarah Goldberg, who's an actor who's been in my shorts. And mm-hmm. when we did another short together, not Lucia before and after, we did this short Drifters before that in 2014. And mm-hmm. Sarah was pushing her managers to sign me from that short. So she yeah. really pushed me. And then I got those managers ended up signing me in 2016 before my short got into Sundance. They just right. took a chance. And so they were really instrumental in. I was I also they didn't they didn't take a chance. They didn't though. take a chance. Right. You're right. They, they didn't, didn't take a chance. <laughs> right. And and I and I think that the thing that they're all that you know reps are are driven by is they see the potential. Um and I think in you they probably recognize someone who will continue to self-produce. Right. And so while easy we sell. can <laughs> easy sell. So I'm I just have to say that in a really quick. <laughs> no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I didn't mean to. I... No, no, no. That was that was it. That was it. I interrupted you. I, was, I, I just want I, because it's always it's always a mutual self interest. Um, uh, and quite honestly, um, you know, the the people who are the entrepreneurial filmmakers are the ones who are going to be the best clients. You know, because we're going to give them something to use as an asset. Um, and when they get you in the room, like I can tell from. This is probably the longest we've ever spoken, but like I can say, I can say like, oh, you could go in a room and you could rep- you could stand, you could represent yourself, and you could um, uh, do well in presenting yourself for a possible assignment on a show, and that's that's ninety percent of the job almost, right? Right. There are people who are great in the room and not that spectacular in their episodes, and they just keep working. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's the truth. (laughs) And and I'm glad you said that, though, because also for people listening, I think it is important. I wish I learned a little sooner that your representatives need to work for you because that's Mm. that is the that's how it works. (laughs) So um, I think it took me a little bit of time to to realize that. But anyway, um, so God, I'm talking so much. So basically, so so after Sundance, um, my managers were like, you know, you should meet with a couple of people and ended up signing with UTA and, but which was good, but it was hard. It was hard to get a job, a job because I'd made mm-hmm. the short and people were like, you made a short. Why does that mean you can do anything else? Right. And right. so I was like, Oh, surprised by this. Yeah. How <laughs> would you know how to just continue making scenes and putting them together? There's no, and can you stand by a camera for five days? Because yes. you know, we haven't seen yes. that. It looks like this took two days. Yeah, I know. Yes, I know. and <laughs> I, I'm aware of. I look like I'm ten. I look. I get it. Like I, you know, I understand what you're seeing when you see me. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this could take longer than I thought. So, <laughs> so I was just like, okay, like so between. So that was just to give you a timeline. That was like January 2017. I, my agents ended up introducing me to this comedian, Jenna Friedman, in maybe summer of 2017, who was doing a pilot for Adult Swim. So we did a pilot together. It was still like a non-union, you know, right. but it was a pilot. I right. say that Which because- Which is a defining factor. Like you, you, you can say she did a pilot and that's a yes. distinguishing thing. But they, so Jenna was taking a chance on me because she, it was her first show with Adult Swim it was my first show of television. She was like, I'll take a chance on you. And I was like, great, like, we'll do this together. We made this show together. 
still, it wasn't until a year and a half later, because my first TV show was The Other Two for Comedy Central. And we Mm -hmm. shot that in 2018, like summer of 2018. So it took like a year and a half for me to get that job. And even that job, it was like, it was like I'd never done anything before. Like Sarah and Chris, who are the showrunners, really pushed for me. I love Jax and Comedy Central, who were incredible to work with. But it was, and they would admit this, it was like, you've never done television before. Right. How is it going to be like working with a bigger crew? Right. And I said, you know, the department heads are the same. You just have more money and you have more resources. So right. I'm still talking to the production designer. I'm still talking to the DP. The actors right. are great actors. So I'm still talking to these people. They just have more people. So right. it doesn't really change my job. It just... I just have more resources like that. That's what money is allowing me. Of course, it's a little more complicated than that. But that's what I said in the interview. And it was still hard. And I didn't get the job. Mm. I actually didn't get it. And then um, a few weeks later, I think somebody dropped out. And it was a little last minute. And then I that and then I got to fill in. And and I the more happened behind the scenes, I'm sure. And I'm sure it was a lot of the showrunners pushing for me. And 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 Jax and Comedy Central also pushing for me. But that was the first time and I was like, all right. <laughs> can't <Yeah>. fuck this up. <laughs> but actually I shouldn't say can't fuck this up, because that's not actually I think the right way. I believe this very strongly when you're first time, tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. When you're first time or really new to TV directing, people aren't hiring you. Maybe some people are hiring you to give you a shot, but I don't think so. I think they're hiring you because you can add something. You're not adding experience. That's mm-hmm. not what you have to add. Mm-hmm. What you have to add is a new way of thinking, something. And, you know, you also have to know your audience and know, you know, it's a half hour comedy. Everything can't be a one but right, right, <laughs> But like, right. unless you're like some, like, I don't know. But it's all going to get on the cutting room floor. But, um, uh, you know, I think the two things I really took from that is be confident about what you can add, what your vision is, because that's why you're mm-hmm. the director. That's why you're on set. That's why you're asking you know, Wanda Sykes to listen to you, you know, she's not doing that as a kind, like she's got up, she has to act and she has to know that her director can, can tell her something. But also then be honest about what you don't know and learn, learn, learn quickly. Like learn as quick, as soon as you make a mistake, learn. So you can pivot quickly because it's, you know, it's fast. It's very fast. And, um, you don't want to get, intimidated or two in your head because it's not about you it really is about making a good episode of television right yeah that's an interesting i i find like i'm often uh i'm i'm like water you know in the sense of like when i go to a job i'm trying to understand uh what kind of glass i'm i'm pouring myself into Mm -hmm. right and so like a lot of times I, I think it's somewhat of a splitting of the difference between it, what you're saying, where it's like, I am trying not to fuck this up, but perhaps in my conversations with people about what I'm doing that's in the pocket, I want to show them that I have a perspective and that I get what we're doing. So while I may not try and say, let's shoot this in this really interesting way, you'll know from our interactions that I get what we're doing. And I feel like the first episode is, and it depends on the show. This is such a- Depends on the show, right? 
For yeah. me, it was, for me, it was, um, well, it was grownish first and then I did a blackish after that, but like I had booked blackish first. So I'll treat that as the first one. And I was like, I, I just got It's just got to look like the, the, the like best episodes of it. You know what I mean? Like it just has yes. to look like yes. that. I'm not trying to put any kind of like sauce on it. Like it just has to be in the pocket. And ideally you do that and there and because they're really there for the script, if I really can kind of communicate the script visually and block it well, let them shoot it how they shoot it, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and blocking. Whew. Yeah. And then yeah. like, and later, then when you get invited back, which I, I mean, and that just like a really good case in point, like as I came back, I've done four of those now. Um, and I'll be back in a couple months. Like I started doing things like, all right, well, on this montage, because that's mine, it's not in any other episode. I want it to be a series of whip pans and, and it's going to be this and that and that and that. And they're like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like on the first one, they're, they'll probably be like, oh God, this guy, you know? So it's, it's really right. trying to like thread a needle. You are so there. You there's not one. You are so right. Like that is such good advice, and I hope like I want to put a pin on that because that is you really have to be like water. You can't. You have to listen and learn because each show is very different. And then the more you're on is similar. Because I feel like I've seen episodes of Grownish that you've done, and again, Grownish is a very different show than Blackish. And because I remember watching your episodes. Some episodes you've done, you've done a few. And I was like, he's doing some really fun stuff with this show. Like, I thought you were kind of pushing that show visually in a way that was very exciting, but still felt in the realm of the show. So it didn't feel right. like this person's trying to, like, do their own thing. It actually felt like it was expanding the show itself, which is, mm. it's not about ego. It's about, oh, this actually would make this scene it would make the audience more into the scene or the blocking's quite interesting. And, you know, and, right. and it's always, it's it is it is juggling a lot of things at once. And it, the thing you said reminded me of, I think it was like your first episode with Issa Rae, how she was like, they choose directors because they want these directors to put their own interesting spin on things. And I remember you saying, you know, you do enough of other type of shows and that gets beat out of you. Right. And it's like a merge of those two because some mm-hmm. shows want you to put a little bit more spin. Some shows are like, let's keep this consistent. Right. And 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 sometimes you're on a show and the more you're on it, you can try some other things. And also by trying things, I don't even just mean with camera, with blocking, too. Mm -hmm. And blocking Mm -hmm. is like the thing I think people maybe don't talk about enough in film school (laughs) because blocking is actually the most important thing. (laughs) Blocking's like it. (laughs) <laughs> that that is it. You know the other thing too. I mean, you know, I have a I have a, a, a special effects meeting in twenty minutes. Oh God, yeah, you gotta <laughs> and, go. Uh, You're actually no, no, no. like working. <laughs> we're good. we're good. We're good. We're good up until seventeen minutes from now. Okay, you tell I, uh, me. You tell me. But it, it's like we're doing this like kind of big stunt, and when you're in, it's like your first time talking. To everybody's like, how much money do I want to spend? And, yeah. and you don't know. So you're kind of like, you're proposing what you want to do. And this is just my take. I'm sure other directors are like, well, I come in there and uh, I'm trying to figure the fucking room out. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, all right. Okay. That sounds like you really want, okay. You really want to do this. Okay, cool. All right, cool. So I will, 
All right. Oh, so VFX, y'all ready for that? Oh, and then like it's it's taken, this is like the third meeting and now I kind of have a real handle on what it seems like they're willing to absorb. Yes. And how I can push that a little bit um, and frame my approach to match that because I, you know, folks need to have money for other episodes also. And, and, yeah. they, and they will bring you back, which means more money for you yes. if you don't if you're not the person that breaks the bank every time you show up trying to do wild shit that doesn't actually make the show a better experience for the people who watch it exactly a hundred right because like you could you could do the coolest episode that looks amazing and if all the actors hate you you're not coming back <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly so and, yeah so what was it like for you going from um from working with Comedy Central to, um, you know, let's just say broadcast TV, like a mixed dish. Um, yeah. Like what were, what was like, how did you, did, did those prior jobs lead to that job, you know? And like, what was like the major difference for you as a director um, as you kind of, I guess, had more resources, right? Because now like yeah. with, with each kind of different platform, you have more time, more money and, and more expectations, I imagine. Yeah, I feel I've gotten really lucky with every show I've worked on is that when they do hire me, I really do feel like there's a trust there. And maybe that's that's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy because like nobody <laughs> who really wouldn't trust me won't hire me. So I feel like I it's still always a dance, though, you know, when you are new to a set, you're feeling everybody out and you want people to know that you know what you're talking about, but you're also there to learn and to share right. and to, and you trust everybody else. And it is just like a dance. And I do prefer doing multiple episodes at a time rather than just one at a time. Mm, Cause it gets right. you, you get to sink in. The actors also get to spend more time with you so they can relax. Like I, I'm a fan of doing that, but um, cause with mixed dish, I did one episode and then I came back when they got additional episodes ordered Right. But um, like that was an incredible experience. It, it was maybe like the fifth show I, no, it was like the eighth show I had done, I think. I can't remember, but it was like, it was the first broadcast show. And, and since then I was working on a pilot for NBC right before the um, pandemic happened. And then that got shut down. That was my uh, first time working on a pilot in the, in that space. And that was that's awesome. a learning experience. Definitely. Even though we never got to shoot it. So who knows, but with Mixedish, it was so incredible because everybody's so, I didn't expect, um, a network show to be so warm. Like mm. everybody was so, I kind of expected it to be a little bit more like we, this is kind of how we do things. And, mm -hmm. but it was just, and it was also just the people there from the cast to the crew, to the producers, they were like, we're here to support you. And, right. and that show is like, it, it, even though it was in its first season, it has a look that's been set and it's, and you don't really need to deviate from it too much. I think maybe that shows the first time I'd worked with that large of a cast. It was, I was new right. to working with that many people talking in a scene, right. blocking. Right. <laughs> and maybe a couple of growing pains of like where, you know, I remember a specific example. My first episode with them was like the Christmas episode and there was a huge dinner table scene. And I think it was like, 
12 people on in the scene and 12 people talking everybody looking at each other and it was the ad was incredible simone but but we'd sketch i knew it was going to go longer it was scheduled for like maybe three quarters of the day half right. day to shoot the scene it needed a full day and we yeah. ended up having to we we ended up going we didn't go over but we had to put half of the scene into the next day. So I was cutting the rest of the so much, you know, we made right. it work, but it was just so, um, this isn't really a difference between network and, and cable, but it was just like, that was my first experience working with that many people talking and it was wonderful. And, and I'm really happy with how it came out, but, um, but it was a bear of an episode. And what I loved though, is everybody was really kind about it. They were like, oh yeah, this is a lot of people talking. We're sorry. (laughs) Which I appreciated, but it was just, um, um, but you know, you, you know, you're just moving on your feet. Like, okay, this is the most, this is like, this scene is like the whole third act. So this needs to be everything. Like we have to spend time here, you know, and you have to get everyone's reactions. Like you can't be in the editor. The editor can't be with the, with the producers after you've gone and want to cut to this one person and you don't have their reactions like that's not acceptable they they will not be speaking well of you at that moment (laughs) that's the thing like you're always aren't you conscious of like what are they going to say about me after the director's cut after i've said that like do they have the footage and that's but i learn something new on every job like you want to give everybody what they want because in the Mm -hmm. end you are working with the show runners and trying to deliver a show that they feel Mm -hmm. is close to the show they've envisioned but I've had people tell me, like, you know, if you don't want to shoot this one scene this way, don't don't do it. Like, don't give too many options mm-hmm. for um, people to deviate from maybe how you saw this portion of the scene being cut. And I'm of two minds. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I feel, and this goes back to your earlier statement, I feel like I can... It gets so it, it, it gets a little authority. This may be off the like, record. <laughs> I I feel like I can control that by the blocking. I yeah yeah yes right yes, like yes, because yes. if there's if there's buy in that you know you know we are like we're here uh, we're close together at this moment and then there's buy in that you step away and now there's distance and you know whatever the scene might call for, like depending on the show, I can, I can shoot that in a way I can, I can, I can shoot that blocking in a way that you can't separate it. You're so right. Like if you, right. Like if this person's walking away on this one line and you just need to follow that, like you can Mm -hmm. kind of, that's interesting. Yeah. Learn something new every, every time I talk to another director. (laughs) You're right. You're right. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the it's like your it's your insurance. And then at a certain point too, like if if it isn't the most dynamic blocking, then it's your master shot and how you get into the scene. Mm-hmm. And that also like I feel like you had it's like we were talking before, right? It's like I kind of have the most say on how we enter and how and how we leave. Mm-hmm. Right? And then within that, it's the blocking, which may or may not have buy-in from everyone as I saw it. But I can say, hey, the the we start here and we boom down and, and do a slow creep in on the master. And that may just be enough to set the table for the normal coverage that the show is going to collapse into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, it's, that's, what's fun though about certain shows where you're kind of like, um, you know, where you get that opportunity to be like, all right, here's what we're doing. Yeah. And, and sometimes it, and they're kind of looking at you like, is that going to work? And then you're yeah. like, that's, that's actually awesome. the thing, the thing I chase. I love not, it's not like this idea of like holding it all in your like little magic cap, but being able to say, no, trust me, this will work. And then yeah. folks are like, oh yeah, that was dope. Yes. Oh, that is such a great feeling because you don't always have the time right. or the space to do that. Right. I also really enjoy if there's ever time to properly rehearse with actors. I feel yes. like on half hour comedies, it's been tough. But there are times where I'll just be able to be like, can me and the actors just get like instead of the like, you know, just reading the words out loud, like, can we actually like rehearse this for 10 minutes? And mm -hmm. that is like those 10 minutes are so precious. You really feel right. like I right. did a, an episode of this show called Love Life that was on HBO Max. And it was supposed to be a bottle episode and it ended up not being. But so much of this whole episode took place in this like railroad apartment. Right. And it was just like the blocking is the only thing that's interesting about <laughs> like we have right. to work this blocking because it is the only way I can tell this story. So right. this needs to be, and it was me and two other actors and we really got, to, I think that's like the only time I really, really got to rehearse. Like we would have like half hour rehearsals right. and it was, and the actors would throw, I, I would come in with like kind of a plan, but that was also the first time I'd come in and be like, I think the actors are going to have a better idea of stuff and they would have ideas. And then we would block the whole thing over and over and over again. And then, um, everybody else came in and then we, that was like a really fun shoot in that we, I usually have like such a plan and then throw the plan out, but mm. we really developed the shot list and the blocking kind of on set because we had the time to do that. And I don't think I've ever had the time. It's just the time. It's right. not it's the, time. the show's the time is, fault. Right. It's just, just it's the time. demands of network tell or just television at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I have two things I want to say. Um, yes. I want to, cause I feel like this is uh, by virtue of, I, I, I usually leave in, hour and chunk because I never know how long the interviews yes. will actually flow. And I think that we can keep going. So if I, I want to bring you back to have a craft conversation. Let's talk craft. Um, because, and I don't know, I don't yet know what that will be, but I just have found that like, that's been really um, rewarding for people. Like the, like the 10 commandment episode we did or like, um, you know, getting into the nuts and bolts with an editor. I want to get into, maybe we'll talk about blocking and like have specific examples or something, but. Um, I would love, I, would... I want to learn from each. I love talking to other directors about this stuff because I always learn, like I will learn more from you. I'm sure. Cause there, every, every job, every day is like a new, like, Oh, didn't know that. <laughs> exactly exactly so we will do that and and maybe we'll figure out who the like maybe one or two other directors to make a little round table out of it um yes. but before i hop yes. and get into green screen brain oh my god go um, go go yes what would you tell your younger self right now like if you could go back and talk to a new in uh the early 2000s, you know, um, embarking upon an education in this industry, what like, I don't know, three things would you tell her to keep her eyes on the prize for? 
I love this question. I think I would tell her to watch all the movies, like watch movies, go to plays, be in your community, like art space. Like I think Mm -hmm. at NYU, I didn't participate as much as I would have. I wish I had taken more craft classes. Like I didn't take the camera classes or the, or the lighting classes that I wish I had. And um, did I say read more? Like I would tell younger version of myself, fill the coffers up because that is how you are a, you can't be an artist unless you got things to say. (laughs) Unless you like fill it all up because like I think there are things I didn't take advantage of enough or I was too focused on I got to make my things and I wasn't like, being a part of my community, listening to other people's stories, like that to me makes you a much more valuable person. Right. And therein makes you a better and more valuable artist. Right. Um, it's something I'm trying to tell myself now because I'll like start a book and I'll be like, I'm just going to go on Twitter. And then it's right. like hours go by. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a waste. It's like, it's just not a good way to be. But anyway, yes. So there, there it is. Um, <laughs> this is awesome. No, I'm glad that uh, we were able to begin the convo. And then uh, you, I'll Jean. email you. We'll figure out a double back. Um, and uh, I'll be reaching out to you about that podcast that I kind of hinted at. Um, yes. That we're going to drop around the 21st of October. But I thank you, Anu. Um, thank and, you, Pete. Uh, yeah. Next time. We'll continue the combo. I appreciate Talk it. It's great soon. seeing everything that you've been doing. It's dope. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next. Oh, thank you, Pete. And go off into, into visual effects land now. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, people? This is Pete Chapman. Follow me on Instagram and on Twitter via at Pete Chapman. Follow the pod on Facebook on our Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman official page and hit up our mailbag with questions, suggestions, or hey, donations if you're feeling like it via Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman at gmail.com. And just in case you need to know how to spell it, that's Pete with the last name C-H-A-T-M-O-N. All right, that was a new Valia, episode 19 of the pod. And I uh, just want to thank her again for joining us and also joining us under very, very, very uh, short uh, notice uh, because things were getting busy with the next project, which should be our next episode, which will be a very important craft episode and not a conversation about craft, but an actual piece of craft uh, as far as something created by uh, my team and I. So uh, I've kind of hinted at this along the way for the past few weeks. What we're looking at dropping next week is a narrative podcast called Wednesday Morning that was written by myself and Candace Sanchez McFarlane. It is directed by me and it stars Kelly McCreary, Spencer Garrett, Coleman Domingo, Blake DeLong, Joy Nash, Louis Ozawa, Elena Campbell Martinez, Remy Ortiz, and Mani Aliamad. And this is a 2020 election podcast event. 
It's a season premiere and finale all in one episode. And we hope that you will not only tune in, but spread the word. Obviously, more details to come. Uh, but I'll give you just a quick little teaser. Uh, Wednesday morning, uh, on the morning after Election Day, Janine Hamilton discovers that if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. After losing a local upstate election, Janine pays a surprise visit to her father, Wesley's palatial estate. She unexpectedly finds herself at a celebratory brunch, surrounded by his duplicitous comrades as they engage in a dangerous game of political horse trading, leaving Janine to make a life or death decision before dessert can be served. It's for my film uh, aficionados out there, it's reminiscent of discreet charm of the bourgeoisie uh, with a little bit of Brazil. And for those who know my work, a little bit of black card. And uh, I'm really happy about what we did. Um, we pulled off something great. Uh, more to come, more details, but check it out. The website uh, is wednesdaymorningpodcast.com. And uh, we're really going to be looking to you to help spread the word uh, so we can get this out to as many people as possible. So that'll be episode 20. Uh, again, thanks for riding on this Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman podcast journey. And in the meantime, y'all, stay safe, stay blessed, and of course, spread love.